Hi, I'm Joanne Woodson, a solo practitioner specializing in commercial leasing law. I've been a lawyer for a long time, and I know that there's a lot to wrap your head around when it comes to commercial leasing. The goal of my podcast, the Commercial Leasing Diva podcast, is to make your lives as commercial leasing professionals easier and more fun. In the podcast, I speak to other commercial leasing professionals who share their expertise so that we can all improve our commercial leasing game and better serve our clients. Today on the podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Natalie Wainwright. Natalie is Vice President of Logic Commercial Real Estate in charge of their tenant rep division. She's based in Las Vegas and Reno. Natalie and I have a wide ranging discussion about the role of women in commercial real estate with a particular emphasis on commercial leasing, as well as the current market situation in Las Vegas and Reno. And I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation. I know I learned a lot and I think you will too. Enjoy. <laughs> so then you transition from baby brokerhood into mature brokerhood. Yeah. What would you say that and you decided you're gonna be in the tenant camp? What did you want to do maybe that was different than you had seen? Um, what did you feel you were bringing to the table that was unique because it sounds like you have your own personal spin on how to be a good tenant rep. What a great question. Gosh, I could talk to you all day long. You're wonderful. Um, (laughs) I, you know, I love the fact that I feel like I'm looking out for the little guy. Um, even if they're a big fortune 500, uh, right now I'm repping a, a, you know, a massive, mobile gaming company, Alice Silicon Valley, and they're publicly traded and the founder's worth billions. But I am like so fierce and in there to protect every little dollar that I can find. Um, So I just feel like what separates my team is we have the autonomy. I'm not at a big firm. That's by choice. Um, I have left Cushman. We should back up the train a little bit. You left Cushman and now describe the type of company you're working for. I'm at Logic. Um, they have two offices in the state of Nevada. I run the tenant rep division um, and I just have 100% autonomy. So I, nice. you'll never see my name on signs. I can really get creative on whatever I want to do for my clients. I'm very close with the government, um, the, the different government municipalities. So the cities, the state, the governor's office to get incentives you know- for my I was going to say, you want to explain to people, they may not understand why that's so important because, you know, in okay. terms of getting permits or if you need a zoning variance or whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's on that end, it's, that's like the really first level of why it's important to have somebody that's close with these municipalities and that, you know, yeah, sure. I can get your permits pulled faster or, um, you know, zoning variants if you need to bring in certain equipment, but it's actually a lot deeper than that. I can get the commissioner involved if you're, I'm really interested in this one area of town and we can't find what you need. Um, And so there's just relationships there and it's definitely not a pay to play. It's what's best for the city. And I have a a client right now in Northern Nevada. They're the single biggest furniture exporter and they are getting completely priced out. And we're going to lose in the state of Nevada, the biggest furniture exporter over their rent being doubled overnight. And so oh the, today or yesterday, we had the commissioner walk through. So yeah. does it behoove our city to lose a huge company for right. the state so a landlord could literally 
double their rent overnight. And so yes. that's why it's having somebody involved that's connected with the governor's office and connected right. with these people. Um, and it's not that I donate. I'm, you know, I'm just a mom from Vegas. It's that <laughs> I care about my city. Um, right. And that's why those connections are really, really important. And it's just another service that I add. Um, I, you know, it just, you want to be connected with somebody that doesn't operate in any silos. And that's why I get invited to all these different tables is because they know that I'm not beholden to anybody. And it's actually another one of my superpowers is I hold panels and I invite everybody, but it's curated and you don't get on if you only operate in a silo. And right. if your and if your main word is diversify, if you're just a talking piece of your department, I don't want to do anything with you because my client's right. going to come to town and they're going to get kicked out because you didn't work with the other municipalities. I need somebody right. that can actually move the needle, if that makes sense. Right. Sure, um, absolutely. That's, that's just one of the main things I that I do. So that is the biggest secret sauce that I have is that I'm not beholden to any landlords. Obviously, I'm a tenant right. but it's Las Vegas and it's Nevada and everybody is kind of beholden to somebody because it's such a tertiary <laughs> market. Right. I will upset anybody that I need to. Right. right. <laughs> and I'm so doing you that mentioned briefly the, um, the doubling of the rent for one particular client. What are you seeing right now with office in Reno and Las Vegas? Obviously, you know, the pandemic had a giant in, impact in California in particular, uh, in San Francisco, you know, got, skyrocketing vacancies, you know, subleases are crazy. Uh, we don't know when it's going to return to normal, quote unquote. But then other, you know, suburban areas are doing pretty good. What's it been like in Reno and Las Vegas? Are they the same or different? They're, they're pretty much, there's, there's the same on the office front. Um, I am also huge into flex and industrial. So mm -hmm. um, since leaving Cushman, I've expanded and, um, broadened my skill set. So I would say in Reno, Northern Nevada, Reno sparks, the industrial is sub 1% and it is, there's nothing. There is nothing, yeah. there's nothing. Um, and is there a lot of, on the, in the pipeline for development? There is. There's quite is a I live in Reno and it's just growing like crazy. It's growing like absolute crazy. Um, they keep announcing new product. One was completely pre-leased for about 900,000 square feet. Well then guess what? It goes right on the market for sublease. So there's a lot of what I like to call phantom space. Um, right. this, we saw a lot of this during COVID where, oh, there's a gluttony. Everybody's putting their office space um, and their industrial space on the market for sublease. Everybody panics. It's a sign of the times and we're going to go into a recession. Well, then you go right. to lease that sublease space and nobody can act and nobody deliver. And they just put it on the books for the shareholders over New York. So yeah. I, I don't operate like everybody else. I think that, yeah, it's a very tight market. If you're looking to move, there are places to move. Just be prepared to spend about 30 to 40% what you more than what you would have spent a year ago. So I wow. think that land, landlords in Reno particularly are way overplaying their hand. I yeah. think that they, them and the brokers are way overplaying their hand and putting everything on the market 30 to 40% over market because there's such high demand and little inventory. I think things right. are going to even and out within the next 12 months. And I am very excited for that day. 
um, because <laughs> everything, it's just like what happened at the, at the, the ports, right. With the freighter, right. the freight's coming in, they're usually 1200 bucks. All of a sudden, oh, demand, everybody paid $20,000 per freight. Now we have an overage of inventory. All these businesses right. are going out of business. So as a landlord in Reno, you can either shut everybody down. Like you're my client and lose everything, or you could just work with everybody and not be a part of the problem. So that's that's that market. Um, Southern Nevada, it is um, fierce right now in the office market. We have a bunch of great new development. Landlords are not um, taking advantage of the situation. There seems to be a lot of deals being made. Um, The mass influx out of California has been great. Thank you, Governor Newsom. Uh, and and rates aren't really climbing. We're seeing maybe a little bit of an increase um, on on things, but we're inflation is has kind of dipped down a little bit in terms of the CPI. And it's it's been nice to be an advisor down here. And the landlord brokers are doing great, and it's nice and steady down here. Major major demand for all of us, but we're able to keep up. Mm-hmm. That was a mouthful. No, I'm always interested to see like what are what are the you know current market conditions everywhere because I've never seen such fluctuation in market condi- conditions based on geography as we are seeing right now. Yeah, yeah, and I and I am also hearing that everything is starting to shut down on the West Coast in terms of importing and exporting, um, and going to the East Coast. So it's really, it's so scary that. Um, Nevada is a potentially not capitalizing on the demand now because right. it could overnight end right. and all go to the East Coast. And then we're right. sitting on massive empty warehouses. So right. I, I just wish that, that we were all following what's going on a little bit closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things I like to ask in this series is about letters of intent because a lot of lawyers are not brought into the deal until the letter of intent is already done. And yeah. so, you know, we just get to see what, what someone else has already written. So the brokers are really on the front lines with the letters of intent. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see tenants making at the letter of intent stage where you're like, oh, you know, we should really clarify this. We should make sure this is covered. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And I would like to know where you think or where you know the best point to be brought into a deal is. And this actually just happened um, on a purchase. But um, I see negotiating fair market value needs is a problem that attorneys should be brought in on. Um, the language should be clarified a lot more um, because dollars to donuts, it's going to be litigated down the line if it's not handled properly or if it's less left ambiguous. Um, I think the um, expense language is something that an attorney should absolutely look at um, before we get into into the lease language. I think being there on the LOI period to kind of not necessarily insert a bunch of legal language. I always just want an attorney there to look things over and go, "Mm, I would change this. I would add this. you know, and look it over and catch things that are loopholes by the landlord. And it could be something easy about the HVAC language or the maintenance or something like that. Because believe me, once we get into the lease, if that isn't mitigated in the LOI range that we've all signed off on, it almost looks like a retrade. And yes, it becomes very hard. I'm dealing with a situation right now where I was brought into the deal actually after my client mom and pop landlord drafted the lease and sent it out 
So when I went back and looked at the letter of intent, I said, you know, the lease has a landlord can terminate it anytime it wants on one year notice. Uh, it's a five-year deal with a five-year option. That was not in the letter of intent. And of course, when we got the first set of tenant comments, which is when I was brought in, oh, um, I said, they, they, they crossed this out. I said, this has to be in the letter of intent. I said, you are fighting an uphill battle because that is such a material term that if it's not in the letter of intent, if I'm the tenant, I would argue that it, this is not in the deal. It goes against the spirit of the deal. It completely changes the terms of the deal. And by the way, by the way. But again, this is unsophisticated landlord. And I'm sure you deal with them from time to time, unsophisticated landlord. And they're like, but it's in our form lease. And I'm like, no care. Nobody, nobody so cares. It is, <laughs> so part of it is making sure that all the material terms are on there. And when I get these where the tenant rep is not as good as you are, for instance, there might not be a renewal option. Say, well, was that discussed? No, never discussed. I said, well, every tenant wants a renewal option. I mean, just toss it in there. You don't have to use it, but you know, sometimes they'll say, yes, it was discussed. And the landlord's like, no, you're not getting it. Fine. Okay. As long as it was discussed and it, you agreed you weren't getting it. Uh, same with like cap on camp, um, especially in California where we have Prop 13, you know, and I, this has actually come back a couple of times. So I've negotiated a few leases where the landlord doesn't own the building yet. But, you know, they're doing a deal contingent on they do own the building. And I say to my client, you understand there's going to be a reassessment on taxes because the new landlord and, you know, we negotiated no cap on cam, no, no Prop 13 protection, which is very common. Forget it. You're not going to get it. Um, but you need to talk to your client about it and say, you know, if this was important to you, we should have had it in the letter of intent. That is when the tenant has the leverage. That is your moment to figure out all the puzzle pieces to the deal and do the horse trading so that when you get to the lease stage, it's all been determined. And you, because once you yeah. get to the lease stage, if you didn't have the cap on cam and the letter of intent, again, you can't introduce that in the letter of intent that should have been, is what yeah. I usually say. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. And so how, how long does your firm work? Do you, how many, you know, how does your firm work? Are you on an hourly? Do you just do it as like- Yeah, I'm hourly. Okay. So and, I'm you, an and you're licensed in Nevada, obviously. Yes. And okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah. so you just, you would come on, you, would you be, you know, do you work with some firms exclusively? Commercial no. estate firms? No? no. Okay. So I, I represent both landlords and tenants, okay. which I feel, you know, is very helpful to me just in terms of thinking of always both sides of the transaction. Um, but if I'm brought in at the letter of intent stage, you know, I just can look at that in, you know, 20 minutes, usually, I mean, depends how complex the deal is, obviously, if it's, you know, 500,000 square feet, and there's a spec build or something, you know, but assuming it's just a generic deal, I can look at that in 20 minutes and say, because look at my little checklist, <laughs> what yeah. should be in the letter of intent? I was like, well, I noticed this is missing. And I can say, oh, we discussed it, couldn't get it. As long as the client knew, right, the client was apprised. The other big issue I would say is the condition of the premises. Um, and, you know, I'm doing another deal right now where it's completely as is, and the letter of intent said as is, and the tenant keeps pushing for all these reps. 
my landlord represents that everything is fabulous and they'll fix it if it's not, blah, blah, blah. And the landlord keeps saying, this is as is, it was in the letter of intent. And I think the tenant didn't have very good advice because I think if a deal is as is, the tenant rep should be telling the tenant, that means tenant, you have to do your due diligence. Yeah. You have to go kick the tires. You have to go inspect the space. You have to have some understanding. Suppose the HVAC has to be replaced. How much is that? Can you afford that? Suppose it's not ADA compliant and you have to put a ramp in. You know, does your lease economics contemplate all these unknown costs and risks? It does. Maybe the rent's five cents a square foot and you're like, fine. I, you know, I got to, it's, I'm totally okay with that. But that's, I think, something that tenants often don't, if they're not getting good advice, they don't understand what their responsibilities would be in a totally as is deal. Yeah, that is a really good point. That is a really, really good point. Um, when are you going to have this up so that I can share it and put it up everywhere? Uh, I especially like this last piece, um, you know, just to, to like to educate people because that's so great. And I actually had a conversation with my client. Please have your attorney review this before we submit this offer to purchase. No, I don't think so. It's non-binding. Yeah, I get that. But what's going to happen? They're going to accept the offer. We're going to go into PSAs and your attorney is going to go, well, wait, why is this there? Why this? Why wasn't this there? And then it's a retrade, you know, right. and they still didn't do it. And, and I always say it's pushing a boulder up a hill at that point. <sighs> so very hard. The after the, you know, and it's funny because the letter of intent, non-binding. And I'm like, I know it says non-binding. Yeah, but there is a moral code, sort of. Yeah, um, you can't go in front of a judge and and say something because it's non-binding; it's not a contract. But when you're doing the deal, it has the force as if it were the law, right? And so, if it's in the letter of intent and it says the purchase price is a million dollars, unless you put a bunch of caveats on there, it's a million dollars. You can't yep. make it 900 after you investigate the property and discover there were this problems, unless you put in the letter of intent, you know, subject to a phase one that shows there's no problems with the property, right? Um, so all these things are sort of really interconnected and it can be a challenge because people are like, letter of intent, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's, you know, and you're like, the lawyer's always like looked at like this anchor like dragging the sailboats to stand still when everyone's rush 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 but i think it's really important to stop for a minute take a breath think about it look at the letter of intent make sure we got everything in there we want yeah you me you and me are gonna do a um a webinar i have a series on youtube it's called um new to cre and it it does really well when I do it. And will you be my guest? And like, sure, we'll totally, of course, we'll totally co-host it. Like, I'm not even trying to be the star of the show because you are the CRE diva. And I think it would Bro. be great. And because your teacher, I'll be like the tenant rep, and we'll like we can do spitball off of each other because you're freaking brilliant. She's been doing this a really long time. Oh my god, and I bow down to you. Like, you're amazing. And, and I, I want to do it when I'm in Reno. <laughs> I'm happy to, we can go, uh, go out to lunch or something. I would love great. that. The next time I'm up there, I'm going to see you. Okay. Please, yeah. Please, Just please, let me know. Please. We'll go. Yeah. We'll okay. So I, I've taken up a lot of your time. Um, I, my last question is always, um, in parting wisdom on where the market's going, what do you think's going to happen? Everyone's saying there's maybe a recession. They've been saying maybe a recession. I'm, I'm not really seeing it. And as you commented, we're not seeing landlords change their behavior even though 
from a logical point of view, in some markets, it is a pro-tenant market, but you don't see, landlords are like really holding on to that leverage. Yeah, um, I where, where I see the market going is, it depends on the market, so I can only speak to mine because I know that right. other markets are completely different. So in Southern Nevada, it's starting to be more of a landlord market um, in terms of setting the tone because of the lack of inventory and the influx of, of demand. Now, I will say, I, I, I hope that these landlords and their brokers play their cards close to their hand and don't overplay your hand. There's a couple of reasons. This could change on a dime and our tenants and their reps will remember. Um, you're not the only game in town. We can go somewhere else and do not be dishonest in the deal process. Do not shop your deals because you don't know who reps the other deals that you're shopping. It's dishonest and it's ugly and it sets a bad tone. Um, so that's just on that side of, I think the demand is gonna stay here. I think we need to continue to have new development built. Um, we have about a million square feet of office in development. It's already spoken for in a big way, pre-leasing. Um, it's an exciting time for all of us. Let's just make sure that everybody comes out fair. Let's not encourage 10-year deals for office users. That to me is unethical. We don't know where the market's going to be. A 10-year deal on 4% annual increases is not a deal that I want to sign my name on. I'm going to be here for the next 30 years. So are you. Let's not sign these tenants and set them up for fail on their second highest line item. I'm a hippie. Don't know what to tell you. Um, well, I think the other the other thing you raise is, you know, it used to be, well, we don't know what's going to happen with the office market. Now it's also, we don't know what's happening with office. Yeah. The office needs are changing so dramatically because of yeah. work and hybrid work and flex work. And so, you know, today your needs are 100,000 square feet. You could have the exact same employee count two years from now, and your needs are now 40,000 square feet. Yes. You know, it's, it's nothing to do with the price or the rent, just how firms are going to be morphing through yes. this remote work revolution that we're going through. That's such a great point. Things are going to be more flexible. They're going to be more hybrid. They're going to be more of that hub and spoke model. And so I really just hope that my fellow brokers and our community and the landlords could be more forward thinking for the next three to five years, not sign those long-term deals thinking, yes, it looks good on my books because right. what we're going to see happening and we, we've already kind of seen it happening, guys. We're doing it right now is that they're going to they're going to leave their space and you're going to have a full floor of dead space on your books sure you can lease it again but is that what's best for our community the better the businesses do the better we do as a community and that is the long term thing that we all need to be thinking about not having these massive companies leave and go to different markets because then we lose out on the community aspect the taxes that they spend when they go to our retail stores services and everything else and that seems to be what continues to happen because we have residential agents doing full floor deals for 10 years they have no business doing yeah yeah and i think you, you touch on another really interesting point which is that um what goes around comes around. You know, I, yeah. I've been doing this a really long time and people are like, is it a landlord's market? Is it a tenant's market? And then you are, it seems like you're given permission to be as terrible as possible when you have all the leverage. And what you discover when you go through a few of these cycles is it's going to come around. 
And if you were kind and compassionate and sensible, you. when you had all the leverage, then that will come back to you positively. I, when you don't yes. have the leverage. And we remember, and we remember, and, and we right. remember. So commercial yeah. real estate, I was, people are like, well, what? you know, I've had tenants, they come to me and they say, what if I just walk away? Like, I know I have to pay all my rent for the rest of the term, but just walk away. And, and one of the things I say to them on all honesty is you don't want to get a bad name in commercial real estate no, as a tenant or a landlord, because we have long memories and I know it's amorphous. It's like, you know, there's a lawsuit. That's a separate thing, but you just don't want to have a bad name. You don't. You don't want to have empty space that fits every one of my tenants, but I remember that it took you a year to pay me, and I've got two kids, so you clearly don't respect what I do for a living, and I brought you <laughs> a massive, massive credit egg tenant, and, um, you know, you, I just, yeah, it's not a good idea. It's not a good right. idea, so right. I just, right. let's all get to it. All right. <laughs> I am, I've taken up way too much of your time, Natalie. It has been so delightful Thank to you. meet you and talk to you, and I look forward to getting to know you even better. This has been Me super. Too. You're so all good. Right. Sorry, diva. It's a diva. <laughs> Bye, darling. So there will be um, all sorts of social media stuff that will alert you to when this particular episode is rolling out, probably won't be for another four to six weeks, but we will keep you posted on when that's going to happen. And okay. if you want me to be on a panel with you anytime, feel free to let me know. Yeah. Um, you'll be talking to me before four to six weeks, lady. All right. <laughs> Bye. All right, sounds good. Have Thank a good you one. so much. All right. I'm Joanne Woodson. Thanks for listening to the Commercial Leasing Diva podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, rate and review us, like and subscribe. You know the drill. The podcast is produced by Sandy Viteri and edited by Matthew Salanoa. Thank you so much again, and we'll see you next time.